going into debt for things that you love or things that you believe in isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I encourage people to go after what they love. But the question becomes, are you going after something you love and still able to do it in such a way? What happens if it doesn't work? You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, financial grown-up friends. That was entrepreneur and ADHD advocate Peter Shankman. He talks fast, but pay close attention. He's worth it. Quick welcome to everyone. Thanks for being here. We keep it simple, spending about 15 minutes talking with high achievers, sharing their money stories, giving us insight into how they became such high achievers. If you like what you hear, please do all the things. Subscribe, rate, review, take a screenshot, share it on social, tag me so I can thank you and tell a friend you care about. Let's talk about Peter Shankman. He does a lot and largely credits his ADHD, which stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, with being key to his success, which is why he wrote a book about it called Faster Than Normal, hosts a podcast by that name, and now has the Shank Minds community. He also wrote a bunch of other books. He was in PR. You might be familiar with The Geek Factory, where he started a little side hustle to help journalists like me, called appropriately, help a reporter out, or Harrow. It's become very well known and is still a really big deal after he sold it. Also, he's an angel investor, and he does marathons, Ironman triathlons, and he does a ton of skydiving, like close to 500 jumps. Peter is a big deal. Let's get to him. Here is Peter Shankman. Hey, Peter Shankman, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Now that's questionable, but thank you. It's good to be here. <laughs> and congratulations on all your recent success, including your book, Faster Than Normal, which is also a podcast and a mastermind group. And that follows on the heels of many entrepreneurial successes. The most dear to my heart, of course, is Harrow, Help a Reporter Out, which you've now sold, but certainly you have made such a name with that. So congratulations on all that. Thank you. I've gotten lucky. Good times. And speaking of your entrepreneurial success, that brings us to your money story, which has to do with going to debt in part for success, nothing you necessarily regret, but something that ties in to your ADHD, which you've talked about and you talk about so much publicly, that's actually been something that you've leveraged as an entrepreneur, but it also created debt. When someone with ADHD comes up with the idea for a company, which is what they do a lot. You've had many companies. I have. And, you know, the premise is like, oh, I wonder if I could do this better. And like three hours later, I've somehow started a company and I'm not really sure how. You know, the problem there is that it's not necessarily cheap to do. And for me, I got lucky in the respect that when I started my first one back in the 90s, which was Geek Factory, a public relations firm, I did it in such a way that I created an idea for this t-shirt, it was, it was the movie Titanic was coming out, and I had this idea that I could sell t-shirts in Times Square, because there had to be other people that hated the movie as well. So I went into Times Square with 500 t-shirts that I, I spent my rent money on, and the t-shirts read, it sank, get over it. <laughs> I thought I could sell uh, maybe 150 uh, in Times Square and make my money back, and I sold like 506 hours. I, I cleared like five grand, and then I, I cleared about 100 grand on the web. But you know that was a risky thing, because that was my rent money. If I didn't have that, if I didn't do well, I was kind of screwed, right? So it's those things where you come up with this idea and you see what happens and, and you risk it. But going into debt for things that you love or things that you believe in isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I encourage people to go after what they love. 
But the question becomes, are you going after something you love and still able to do it in such a way? What happens if it doesn't work? And there are a lot of people who don't think like that. And to some degree, even though it was your rent money and in your head, of course, that's a huge amount of money, you later made even bigger bets. I definitely made bigger bets. Here's the thing. There are two types of risks. There's blind risk and there's calculated risk. And like, I'm a skydiver, right? I have close to 500 jumps. I own my own gear and the whole thing. And if I thought that I was going to die every time I jumped out of a plane, I wouldn't do it, right? The key is, is that I believe that the training I have and the gear I have, I keep it clean. I keep it in good shape. I know what I'm doing. I've learned how to do it. And so if I thought I was going to die every time I jumped, I wouldn't jump. So I take calculated risks. And calculated risks, while they're still risky, inherently called risks, the end of the world is not coming. So I'm not going to be like, okay, I'm going to start this firm. And if it doesn't work, I'm homeless and living on the street. <laughs> so tell us about Harrow. Harrow uh, was a company I built that connected journalists with sources all around the world. And for me, it was, okay, I'm going to start this on my own using a mailing list and paying a kid who I know 100 bucks to build me the cheapest website known to man. Because all I needed to do was capture email addresses. And I did it. And what wound up happening was that as it started growing, I was able to, you know, I, I never planned on making money at it to begin with. I planned on doing it sort of for the sake of doing it, for fun. And it would help journalists, it would help my friends, and, and it would be good karma. And it wound up blowing up in such a way that it started generating revenue without my really expecting it to. But on the flip side, as it got bigger, I had to spend more money to keep it alive. And so it was that balancing, because look, I'm not an MBA. For me, it was that balancing act of how do I do that? And that was a lesson I learned on the fly. So what exactly happened? You went into debt unexpectedly for that. I went to debt unexpectedly, not a tremendous amount, but certainly enough where I'm sitting there going, hmm, this is interesting. You know, this is, I live in New York City, right? I was renting an apartment at the time in Midtown Manhattan, which was not cheap, still isn't. And I've since bought one, which is even, even less cheaper, you know, more expensive. But it gets to that point where it's like, okay, am I still able to do this? And what's my runway like? I think that's what a lot of people don't think about. They think, okay, I'm going to go into debt for this. You got to look two, three, four, eight, 10, 12 months in advance. How, or 12 months in the future. How is that going to look? In 12 months, how's the runway that I'm on right now? It's like a plane going down the runway. At some point, you need to take off or slam on the brakes. What was your runway? I think for the first four months that I was building Harrow, there was absolutely no revenue coming in because, again, it was just me and a mailing list, right? It wasn't costing that much. But Harrow got picked up by a newspaper. It got picked up by the New York Times. It got picked Seth Godin wrote about it. So all of a sudden, we were getting thousands of new members per day, and I was using a mailing list service that based their charges on how many members we had. Uh-oh. Right? So the more emails I was sending out every day, that's great. I'm building the site. The more it was costing me. I think I went from like at one point 100 bucks a month in, in mailing list charges, uh, 2,000 bucks a month in mailing list charges, right? And so something has to happen here. At the same time, people started calling me saying, hey, we use Harrow all the time. We open every single email. Do you accept advertising on it? And so all of a sudden, I was able to start selling ads against Harrow. And my premise was I'll sell ads for whatever the cost of everything I'm having to pay for is. Again, wasn't even trying to turn a profit. Why? Why were you not trying to turn a profit? Because, because I still was running a public relations firm. And at the time, I was still running a PR firm. My premise was just, okay, I'll just keep doing this and building it. And then one day, it kind of hit me like, you know what? This is a lot more profitable than the PR firm. This can make a lot more money than the PR firm. I should put all my effort into this. So I started shutting down my clients, giving them to other companies, things like that. And that's when I realized, okay, there's a lot of money to be made here. Talk about the connection between ADHD and your experience as an entrepreneur. You need to be very aware. Like I said, when you, you only have two speeds when you're ADHD. So you need to be very aware that the ideas that come into your head, hey, this seems like a great idea. Let's do this, right? Might not necessarily be a great idea or they might sound like an awesome idea, but you have to make sure that you actually can afford to do said idea, right? It's one thing to go into debt on a brilliant idea. It's another thing to say, hey, this is interesting. Let's go to bed. So the question is, is it going to work? 
If you don't have a plan, you're going to get in trouble. But you didn't have a plan at Harrow, really. I also didn't know I was ADHD at the time. Okay, fair enough. It wasn't until about five years later that I realized all this stuff that I do has an actual name for it. And so, for instance, now when I go to um, Vegas to give a keynote, anywhere in the world that I keynote, I, my contract basically says, I'll keynote, you'll pay me, except in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, it says client does not have to be on the ground from wheels down to wheels up for more than eight hours. And so I'll fly in at 6 a.m., do a 12.30 p.m. keynote, and be out on a 4 p.m. flight, because if I have to stay the night in Vegas, nothing good's going to come of that. So you didn't have the ADHD diagnosis when you started Harrow. Looking back, are there things that you would have done differently had you known, or are you grateful and it worked out that you did not know because that way you were, you really plowed into that very quickly. You basically had the idea and just did it. Yeah, three hours later, it was launched. I mean, I'm thrilled by the way things happened because, you know, I was able to realize, hey, this can actually work for me. But again, that point is you have to understand how your brain works and you have to understand sort of what works for you. You don't think you would have launched Harrow had you had that fear that other people have, that fear of debt? Probably not. The thing about me is that a lot of my, almost everything I've done, I could trace back to my ADHD, right? The premise of, huh, wonder what would happen if it, you know, perfect example, this morning I was doing an open water swim with a friend of mine at 5.30 in the morning uh, outside of Coney Island. Because you get up at 4 in the morning every day. Because I get up at 4 in the morning, right. I actually got up at 3.30 this morning. (laughs) We're sitting outside of Coney Island and we're like, uh, we're looking at the water. It's like, oh, it's really pretty. It's really nice. I wonder where we should go. You know, should we just do our normal, regular swim? And I look at a light. There's a a buoy, right? I'm like, I wonder how far that buoy is. And my my friend and I say, ah, it's probably not that far. And, you know, then there's the Morgan Freeman announcer's voice going, in fact, it was much further. (laughs) You know, so a mile and a half later, we come back from the swim nearly dead. That's why I have a wonderful financial advisor. I have a wonderful accountant whose job it is, is to protect me so that I don't do these stupid things. So what is the lesson for our listeners from this, those who have ADHD and those who know of somebody who has ADHD? Because that's pretty much everybody. It is. I think the lesson is to understand yourself first and foremost. And once you understand yourself, don't put yourself into positions where you can get into that level of trouble. That doesn't mean don't take risks, but make sure, again, they're calculated risks. There's a big difference between doing something for the hell of, oh, whatever, and taking a calculated risk. And as pertains to debt. Most definitely. There is good debt. There's great debt. You know, owning a home is a great debt. But if you're making $135,000 a year, maybe buying a $2.7 million home, you know, is not necessarily the best idea in the world. I, I always love those shows, House Hunters. You see these two people, yeah, my wife has a business where she combs the knots out of street dogs, and I make artisanal pencils. Our budget is $4 million. <laughs> you know? So true. Like, try to live in your own life there and, and understand that at the end of the day, especially with finances, at the end of the day, the race is only with yourself, and it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. For people with ADHD, any specific lessons to draw regarding taking on debt? Are they, do they need to be more careful? I know you have a lot of checks and balances in place. Yeah, I think one of the best lessons I've learned, anytime I want to buy something, whether I'm online, whether it's in person, I ask myself, I stop and I visualize, where is this thing going to go in my apartment? Where is it going? Because I have a you know, two-bedroom apartment in New York City, isn't that much. Where is it going to live? Where is it going to sit? How am I going to use it? Am I going to take it out of where it is, or is it going to be too much of a pain to get it back in there? I ask all these questions. That probably prevents me from, I'd say, doing probably 60% of the things I want to buy. The other thing I do is I keep a lot of the purchasing apps off my phone. Uh, the same reason I don't I don't put like food apps on my phone where you can order food because it's just too easy to order crappy food. So I keep those off. And if I want to order something, I have to go to my computer, get on the web. And it's, it's actually a process. If you make it a process, it's a little bit easier not to necessarily just blindly do it. All right, Peter, your everyday money tip is all about making sure you connect with people because that's how you're ultimately going to be successful. That goes back to your PR days and all the advice you've given people. What is your everyday money tip? 
I love a website called spoonbill.io. It's S-P-O-O-N-B-I-L-L.io. And what it does is it shows you anyone who's updated their Twitter bio, right? So you want to keep an eye on that because if you're looking to talk to reporters, you're looking to talk to people, you find out immediately what they've done. It's like, oh, look, that person just changed where they work or whatever. And then you could shoot a note. Hey, notice that you changed it. It's a great way to keep in touch with people without coming across as too needy or too wanting. Just take a look. Say, hey, I noticed that you, you just got a new job. Congratulations. Right. It gives you a reason to keep in touch, and it can be for business. It can be for friendship, all of which helps us live richer lives. So, Peter, tell us what's going on with you for the rest of 2018 into 2019 with Faster Than Normal and all your other projects. Well, Faster Than Normal is my baby. It's a, uh, it's a wonderful website and podcast where we focus on ADHD and the fact that ADHD can be a gift, not a curse, as long as you know how to use it, which is what we talked about here. Uh, I run a mastermind group with sort of the same uh, premise for small entrepreneurs, small, small, small to mid-sized entrepreneurs. You know, entrepreneurship is lonely, and you got to have people to talk to. you got to have people who understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur, and that's at shankminds.com. And uh, we're a great group of people that meet virtually and then a couple of times a year in person. What else am I doing? Doing a lot of fun stuff. My, the, my entire life is at shankman.com, my last name. You can find me there. My email is peter at shankman.com. I'm at peter shankman on all the socials. I'm happy to connect with anyone. I think it's fun. Love it. And you are great at keeping in touch. And if people reach out to you, it's pretty likely they're going to hear back. So thank you, Peter. You're really wonderful. We appreciate you being here. My pleasure. Always happy to help. Hey, friends. Here's my take. Financial grown-up tip number one, Peter has been successful because he took things that were unique to him that might have held him back, but instead he uses them as a superpower. Find your superpower. What other people may see as a challenge may in fact be your biggest asset. Take a time out one of these days and just think about it. Hit pause. What traits and themes keep rising? For Peter, it was things like risk-taking and moving forward with ideas before they were fully fleshed out. But that worked in his favor, usually. Or he recovered. Or the consequences weren't that bad. Financial grown-up tip number two. Peter talked about reaching out to people when they had a change in job status and you were notified thanks to this app. So that's a great idea. I would add to that that it is important to keep in touch with people when something maybe not so good happens, like they lose a job or face a setback. People remember that. Even just calling to let them know you're aware of what's going on and you're there for them is going to be really meaningful and remembered. Okay, my friends, we're going to wrap. I thought about advocating doing something big like Peter going skydiving, but you know what? It's not going to (laughs) happen. I got to be honest. But if Peter has inspired you to skydive, I need to hear about it. So let me know. DM me, my friends, on Instagram. I am at BobbyRebel1, on Twitter at BobbyRebel. And find out more about the show, BobbyRebel.com forward slash financial grown-up podcast. Show notes, same pattern every time. BobbyRebel.com forward slash podcast forward slash the guest name. In this case, that forward slash has Peter Shankman after it. And thanks to Peter for being a great guest. I am staying on the ground, no skydiving for me, but you did get us all one step closer to being financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.